Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 139. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who listened to last week's episode and reached out, sent messages, phone calls, all of that. I heard from so many of you after that episode and it really just means so much to me. One, I recorded that and then didn't even listen back to it because I was positive. (laughs) I probably sounded like a crazy person because I'm not going to lie, I'm feeling a little crazy these days, a little extra crazy because I'm always a little crazy. Um, But just with everything going on, it has been difficult and I have definitely been struggling. So just knowing that I have you guys in my corner and you, you know, you're thinking about me and you're thinking about Amy and the whole situation. Um, and then everything I scared with the whole shared with the whole scammer situation. Yeah. Just lots, lots and lots going on. If you are a new listener and you're listening to this and thinking, what is she talking about? go back and listen to last week's episode. It was a little bit of a life update. I just kind of shared some difficult stuff that we've been dealing with recently. And yeah, so that's all I'm going to say for now. But again, thank you so much. You guys are truly the best knowing that there are people just listening. And even if you know, you're not reaching out, just sending those good vibes. I appreciate it so, so much. Um, One of the ways that you can send me a good vibe if you are listening to the show and enjoying the show and you have not yet left a review on Apple podcast, that would be so amazing. You can, you know, leave a review with a few kind words, or you can just click that five star. That really helps too. Um, but that really does make me so happy and I appreciate it so, so much. So thank you. And today I'm super excited for this episode. My guest is Alexis Berry and she is an autism mom. She's going to share her journey with her daughter. And this was an episode that I'm really excited to have everyone listen to because I feel like we talk about a few things that we've maybe touched on before, but Alexis and I have like a more kind of in-depth conversation. Um, One of the things that we talk about is the her daughter and Logan both have um something in common and that they like to chew on everything. Uh and Logan is diagnosed with Pika, which I will we'll talk about that in the conversation. But I really appreciated this conversation because I feel like not everyone always understands the severity of this problem. And Alexis and I like really understood each other because we're, you know, we're both two moms that have this concern for our kids. So we really get into that, which was, it it was great. And we also talk about their family, their kind of, you know, diagnosis journey. Her daughter, Charlotte is little and was more newly diagnosed, which I, I always like sharing like a whole plethora of stories, but I think especially for people listening who 
are, you know, seeking a diagnosis or just in the early days of navigating a diagnosis, I think, you know, hearing from a mom who is in the thick of it, just like you, I think is really valuable. Um, and there was some other stuff too we talked about. So I'm going to stop yapping about that. Um, but I just had such a great time chatting with Alexis and I know that you will enjoy listening. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Alexis. Hi, Alexis. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I have to say, have you watched Shit's Creek? I have not, but okay. I've, heard, I've heard many good things about it. <laughs> you need to watch it because it's so good. But also, like, one of the main characters' name is Alexis. So every time I say your name, I just think about her and she has a song and I want to just, like, bust into song. But that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. You had reached out to me on Instagram as a listener, which I appreciate so much. And you had said that you just felt really called to share your daughter's story. And like we were talking about before, you know, this is like a little bit newer of a diagnosis and you're still kind of early in the journey. But like I was telling you, I love having all different stories because I know people listening. There's some who, you know, have been on this journey for many, many years longer than I have. But then there's some who are, you know, maybe just starting out, maybe haven't even gotten a diagnosis yet. So I think it's it's important to have, you know, pieces of all these different stories. So if you will take us back to the beginning, it, it, it's recent, but still the beginning. Where did all this start for you guys in terms of your autism journey? Well, it started back last March. We noticed, well... I'll go even way, way back. Um, Charlotte (laughs) was born at 35 weeks and she was no NICU time. Um, She thrived um, developmentally. She hit every, hit every milestone. Um, She was babbling, talking, just doing, you know, every, everything on track. Um, My, my son, Ben, who is 13 months older than her, was a slow talker. So her not saying so many words really didn't concern me. Um, but I think when March hit, my husband asked, you know, do you think there's something going on with her? Because she just started not paying attention to us. Um, when you called her name, she really wouldn't turn her head. And that was new. Um, her words started becoming less and less. And um, her motor skills actually changed as well, which was really concerning. Um, I am a nurse, so I kind of thought, you know, worst case scenario could be happening and autism really didn't hit me in the head. Um, I was thinking, you know, brain tumor or something even far more dramatic. Yeah. Um, But when we brought it up to the pediatrician in late March, she didn't think of anything of it. She's like, oh, I think, you know, you're just, you know, an anxious mother, I'm thinking, I don't think so. I think there's something going on. So they told me to go to an ENT uh, because they thought maybe be in her hearing. And when we went to the ENT, um, they put us in like a box with all these sounds. And Charlotte didn't turn her head to any noises. Um, so after that, the uh, doctor came and told me, you know, we think your daughter's fully deaf. And that kind of surprised me. So um then COVID hit and I was helped I was 28 weeks pregnant at that time with my last son Owen and um 
So we couldn't even get her because the next step was an AVR screening, which is a more in-depth hearing screen. But with toddlers, they have to be sedated. Um, so they stick these like probes inside her ears to measure the brain waves. And um, so we couldn't get into that um, with COVID. So we had to wait a while. Um, and then I had my son Owen very um, traumatically at 34 weeks. And I think he was only a week old. He was in the NICU. Um, we were able to get Charlotte into her ABR screen. And um, so going in there, I was thinking, okay, they're going to tell me she's fully deaf and we have to do all these things for her and that'd be it. Well, after the ABR screening, um, she, the doctor came in and told me, you know, her parents perfectly fine and that this could be many of things. Um, so we went to see a neurologist the same day because we were at GMBC and um, he said, you know, this could be a brain tumor. This could be another neurological disorder or it could be autism. So after, after all that, we, um, we went home and me and my husband were talking and we called every specialist we could and we got into Kenny Krieger Institute which is a huge um, hospital for every type of de developmental delay, um, disorder, um, you name it, for pediatrics. And um, I think we got in there in, I want to say it was uh, July we got in there for her. So super quick because kids usually have to wait months to even get in there or years. And um, we got we got in there so quick, which we I'm so thankful for. Um, so we saw the pediatric neurologist there, and um, she wasn't really concerned about her motor skills, um, but she did tell us, you know, we do think that there is something going on. Um, so then we saw the uh, uh, pediatric psychologist, and she did two tests, which were for diagnosis of autism and that was in August and that's when they told us they gave us the medical diagnosis that she was autistic and that was through a telehealth appointment so that was interesting I thought because I'm like I've rather been in person but you know COVID mm -hmm. you have to do everything telehealth um so she um we got that diagnosis and then August, I was able to get her into PTOT speech. Um, we had to wait on ABA. Um, and she's, she's two and a half right now. So in that short span of time, it was a lot on her. Um, mm -hmm. We've also had to get um, uh, tests done for seizures. We thought she was having seizures. Uh, turns out, thankfully, she doesn't, um, but she is very sensory-seeking, we're finding out, and we actually had a, um, uh, we just saw the developmental pediatrician first time today, mm. so they um, want us to do more genetic testing because they think that there's something else going on um, with sense her sensory um, behaviors because my daughter is very oral fixated. Mm -hmm. um, she likes to chew on wood, brick, 
really about everything you can think of. And I'm not just talking like a nibble. I'm like full on chewing like a dog would. So. You sound spoken. <laughs> I'm like, I just, like all the therapists we've seen, they've never seen anything like that. Like her crib was demolished. And I was like, so we had to get her a medical bed. Um, but, you know, she basically our story in a, in a, in a year time frame, um, you know, just learning, you know, day by day on, on this, cause it, it's still pretty new to us. Um, Charlotte is the first person, in both me and my husband's family that was diagnosed with autism or a developmental delay. Um, cause yeah, no one in our family is, has autism or any other type of developmental disorder. Mm-hmm. So it's still pretty new, still pretty fresh. Um, but she, she's done wonders in the last six months of therapy. Um, she, she really, she stopped talking. She really regressed in everything. It's the speech, um, motor skills, um, eating, but with therapy, she's really thrived. Um, she's starting to echo sounds more. Um, she's actually paying attention to me more, focusing on me more. Um, she's a very affectionate little girl, though. She loves, loves to be cuddled. She, she loves to move around. Um, she's very happy, which I'm very blessed at because I don't think I could handle a child <laughs> that hated being old. Um, but she's a she's a super happy, and I can take her anywhere without her having a, a tantrum or a meltdown. So she's really easy go lucky, um, go with the flow. So we are we are grateful for those. Um, but yeah, that's I think it's about her story in <laughs> in a nutshell. So much of what you're saying about her reminds me of Logan. Uh, and it's it's funny because it's, you know, as a mom and, you know, as a girl mom, because she's my only girl, I um I really didn't know much about autism until she was diagnosed. And even being a nurse, they don't really tell you much in, pe- you know, pediatric rotations about, um, about autism. And um, so I had to, like, dive in headfirst and learn about all this. But it's interesting because, you know, I have two boys. And they say boys and autism is run, it runs higher. And then she's mm-hmm. my only girl. So it was just interesting that to me, like, she was the one that was diagnosed with autism because it really, the percentage is lower, I read, <laughs> in girls. Yeah. I think it's getting higher because we're starting to notice a lot of the discrepancies where, you know, autism in in boys, I think, tends to look you know autism is such a Mm -hmm. spectrum but I think there's some more like kind of telltale signs that are more obvious with boys and with girls we are hearing more and more about how girls are just naturally better at masking and you know kind of hiding some of those red flags that might be a little more obvious in boys so I'm thankful that at least the awareness is catching up because maybe that will you know in time lead to more just understanding Mm -hmm. because it's, it is so interesting 
I was just talking to another mom the other day who uh, her daughter was just recently diagnosed and she's, I've listened to all your girl episodes and now I'm going back to the boy ones. And it's, it's so, it's such a, a different, cause you know, I mean, I have two, two typical daughters and I have Logan and it is really interesting just the differences between boys and girls across the board. But then, like you said, if, if you, you know, you, you have one daughter and, and she's, the one who has autism it's just so interesting how you know there can be like oh it's usually like this or this is the case but there's always those you know stories that fall outside the box yeah it's like in her therapies um because we go in person now thankfully um Mm -hmm. I really don't see many girls there I see a lot of boys and there's a not like young toddlers like mine but the older girls are probably about eight, eight, eight and older. But um, I always ask them, like, you know, when did you notice changes in your child? Or did you always and um, they said they they really didn't see anything until they were like four, four or five. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm grateful we caught it early. Because um, she wasn't even two yet. Um, when we started noticing things. So, you know, at least we could get early intervention. And, and, um, I hope, you know, they say earlier, the better. So I'm just, I'm very glad we were able to, you know, notice something was going on and advocate, you know, something's going on, um, because even the pediatrician didn't think anything of it. Yeah. It's funny to say that even as a nurse, like when you were doing your pediatric rotations, cause that's something I say all the time. And I fully believe is that like, you know, doctors and nurses, I think anybody there, there's just, unless it's your specialty, there really just isn't enough mm-hmm. awareness with autism. And we've gone through, I think we're on like our fourth or fifth pediatrician. And I finally have one who, what I love about her is she fully admits like, this is not her specialty, but she's very open to learning. And every time we have an appointment, she is like all ears listening to me and taking in what I'm saying. Whereas we've had doctors in the past who like you said, they kind of, oh, you're just like nervous. Oh, you're worried about this or that. And even after he had the diagnosis, I felt like I had doctors saying to me like, oh, you know, kids with autism are going to do ABC. And it was like so black and white. But as everyone knows, autism is like all gray. Like that's all it is, is gray. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, they- that was hard. Even just like I said, I, it's not like I, because we're not going to take Logan to the specialist you know, all the time for like whatever mm-hmm. visit, but like, especially for us, cause he had a hospital stay back in September. It was really hard to even get people to listen to us in terms of, you know, what we were dealing with. He, he had an infection and when I had taken him to like urgent care, the ER, I, I mean, I get it. Like, this is not what they're there for, but I'm like, you know, you're not dealing with a typical child here. Cause they'd be like, Oh, well, he's not in pain. He's acting fine. And I'm like, he's not a typical mm-hmm. child. He does not have like a typical response to pain. Like he can handle so much more pain. It, whereas, and then there's other kids in the spectrum who can handle less pain. It's just, you know, it's just a very different approach. And it wasn't until we kind of gotten through the weekend and I took him to an appointment with his pediatrician and she was like, no, he needs to be admitted. I'm sending him right now. I'm explain everything. Cause she, at that point had enough awareness of, of, you know, him mm-hmm. as a kid, me as a parent. Like she needed to take me seriously, but it is really frustrating when, you know, medical professionals, you want to like respect them. They're the doctor, 
but you're like, but this is my kid. Like I know the best. Exactly. Yeah. No. Um, Charlotte was diagnosed. I'm oh, not diagnosed. Uh, was admitted to the hospital when she was 10 months old for the flu. Um, but she was hypothermic too. She went mm. from 106 degrees to 93 and she was blue. Oh, wow. And then I brought her into our hospital and, um, her temp went up a little bit to 95 and they told me go home. She's fine. And I was like, no, she's not. There's something going on with my daughter. And, um, they told me they weren't going to run any tests because insurance wouldn't pay for it. They didn't think there was a reason behind it. So we went home that night and then two hours later I was back in the hospital and I told them I'm not leaving or I'm taking my kid to children's and I will see you guys for not seeing us. Um, because Mm -hmm. she she was, she was still cyanotic and, um, I don't know why they didn't see that, but literally, I think we were there for an hour. They put her in an incubator and told me she was septic. Yeah. (gasps) So we went from, you know, nothing being wrong to septicemia. And, uh, so clearly they had no clue on what they were doing and we ended up transferring her to um children's and um getting her actually taken care of but i don't think they still they said it was a reaction to tamiflu but um that's also another thing um charlotte does not do well on meds <laughs> um we've come to find out mm-hmm. and um our therapists say that can be common in children on a spectrum um because mm-hmm. She didn't do well on the Tamiflu, so that was a red flag I should have saw. Um, and then um, <laughs> when she had the ABR screening, they um, sedated her, but sedation went the opposite way for her. Um, she was thrashing. She was so upset. Um, it took about an hour for her to calm down, and um, they had to get her second dose of the sedation um, for it mm-hmm. to really kick in. Um, so we've come to find out that she does not do well on meds. Um, yeah, I've heard that from, from other parents and professionals. I mean, I, I think again, just like how I was saying with like pain receptors, like there's just, there's some, you know, it's a different operating system. So when it comes to medications and such, that definitely makes a huge difference. If you're dealing with, you know, a typical child or a child with autism, we have definitely found that we've been on this med journey with Logan for a little over a year now. And thankfully we have a really awesome psychiatrist now who has been just so knowledgeable and he actually does specialize in autism, which is a miracle. Um, And he had explained that to me because before we working with him, we were just working with our pediatrician who, like I said, she's great. She's, and she would even consult with like other psychiatrists or she was pharmacists to just to kind of get the best sort of places to start with Logan. And we were, we were seeing that we were seeing some meds had like the opposite mm-hmm. effect on him or just didn't work at all. And like at the time when I, we went to the psychiatrist, he was on a high dose of an ADHD med that was doing basically nothing for him. And the psychiatrist was like, if I had, you know, a child who just had ADHD and no autism on this dose, he's like, he would be asleep right now. Like that's how oh, high wow. the dose was. Because, you know, autism affects mm-hmm. the brain differently and then it's like medications are going to affect differently. So it's all, I know people don't like the puzzle pieces, but I, I do think the puzzle pieces sometimes are a good 
sort of key or, or symbol for for autism because there is so much about autism that we still just don't know and don't understand. And we're still trying to put those pieces together. That's the thing that bugs me too, because as a medical professional, I'm like, there has to be a reason why my daughter has autism. Medically, there has to be a reason and they cannot give me one. And I think that's what frustrates me the most as a nurse is the fact that they can't give me a reason on how or why this happened um because usually every every diagnosis has a reason behind it so that's Mm -hmm. always been the one thing that's always been interesting to me and I've been reading so many medical journals um research everything I can think of under the sun about autism and it's still Mm -hmm. you know there's so much research that still needs to be done and um, but yeah, no, that's, it's just one of those things that I hope one day they can find out, you know, what in the brain is causing, you know, autism. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel like that's such a common, you know, question or feeling for like any parent, but like you said, especially as a medical professional, there's just kind of that extra layer for you of, you know, this is your career. And I, like you said, it's like, there's always a reason, like, what's the diagnosis? So I can see how that would be like, just even more pressing yeah, for it's, you. It's just one of those things that, you know, I just wish, wish they, they knew. Um, because, you know, I have, I have so many friends that in, in our group, me and my husband are, I'm 29 and my husband's 29. He'll be 30 in May. Um, but a lot of our friends don't have children yet. A lot of, we are really the only ones married out of our group of friends. Um, so we have like no friends that really understand one about being parents and two, having a child with, you know, autism or special needs. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, they always, you know, ask us, you know, did vaccines cause this? And I'm thinking, oh my God, no. <laughs> Please do not ask that. <laughs> um, like, yeah. no, 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 no. And then I have to educate them on that. But it's just, you know, I, a lot of people have that, you know, misinterpretation that, you know, vaccines and autism. And um, I'm like, no, that's not a reason why this, you know, it's not re- why she has this. <laughs> um, like, I know. It's hard. I feel like I still get people asking me about that kind of thing. And I, I, I'm definitely more in your camp where I don't, I personally don't think vaccines cause autism. I do think that people with autism, because their brains are different, I think maybe vaccines mm-hmm. can affect them differently, just how you know, medication can affect them differently. So I'm, I'm not saying that vaccines are, you know... I mean, my kids are fully vaccinated, so am I. I just got the COVID vaccine. But I mean, like, it's, it's definitely... I, I fully believe in vaccines, but I still, I, it's not like I would say that there's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with vaccines for, for a child with autism. Like we were saying, if medication is going to affect them differently, vaccines very well could too. But again, there's just so much that we don't know. So it's just so hard yeah, to say. No, it's, it's always one of those things that, especially as a parent with a newly diagnosed child on, on the spectrum, I've had so many people ask me that, but, um, no, I, we're going to be seeing a genetic counselor here soon. Um, so maybe they can 
see, you know, or give me a reason maybe why she, um, you know, won the whole, the whole chewing. <laughs> they said she's more sensory seeking and, um, than most children. And there might be another disorder on top of the autism. So try and get that all figured out. <laughs> Yeah, we went through that with Logan. He was diagnosed with PICA, uh, which is like, you know, when you want to eat non-edible mm-hmm. foods uh, or not, but like how you said, like chewing on wood or like he loves to chew leaves or rocks. Like he, it, we have to watch him so closely outside because he will like lately he's been wanting to eat crayons. Like he just, and this has been an issue. I would say it's gotten worse as he's gotten older. We're, we're, we're always working on it. Um, but I'm surprised, well, I'm not terribly surprised because they wanted us to also do blood work and, you know, kind of see if there was any, you know, mineral deficiencies or whatnot. There was nothing, nothing big with him, um, that would cause the pica. So for him, it is more of like mm-hmm. a sensory seeking thing This diagnosed through a, um, a neuropsychologist and they, the, the, the doctor who diagnosed him with pica didn't say that she thought it was like more so than, you know, other kids. I think Pika is a pretty common, like, uh, mm-hmm. comorbid diagnosis for kids spectrum. So just from what you're telling me, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But like I said, when we did, you know, the blood work and whatnot, nothing else came back to be like a red flag as to why that could be. So I think sometimes it really is just yeah, a sensory she, um, thing. We actually had her lead levels tested and all her, um, like her CBC and everything. And um, everything came back mm-hmm. normal. So they don't think it's high yeah. up, but, um, you know, that's the number. That was the one thing that came to my mind. I was like, oh, my God, she has that. I'm like, I got to get her tested. And, uh, but everything came back normal. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think it is sensory seeking, but I just, if I could send you pictures of what it is to the extent of, a, like, it's so dangerous. Like, <laughs> Oh, Alexis, I, and I often, I'm like the woodland creature. Like he's, there's a part of him that's like, gotta be like squirrel or something because the things that he wants to eat, when you say dangerous, like that's, that's something that I think people don't understand for sure. Like we were at a friend's house over the summer, actually it was like more in the fall and they had a grill in their backyard and he wanted to eat mm. the soot out of the grill. He was, we had to like stop him. Like we had to hold him back, like literally hold him back with all of our might. Cause he was trying to eat the soot out of the grill or like the scary thing too, is he wants to eat dirt. And like, we have a mm-hmm. dog or, you know, like there's animals, like what if like that, that kind of stuff is really scary. And my husband especially is like so scared that Logan's going to get, you know, some kind of like yeah. toxic <laughs> something with, it's a very real feel fear. So no, I completely understand that. And I don't, I don't know if I've, I've had people on the show who talk about their kids wanting to eat stuff, but I don't know if I've ever had a conversation with someone where we've talked about just like how dangerous it is and how scary it can be. Cause there are times like last summer was good because we had our pool in the backyard and Logan was like really entertained by that. And we have the trampoline, the swing set. So thankfully we, he was kind of in like a good spot with the Pika. So we weren't, Mm-hmm. having to be as nervous but I mean there are times when I didn't want to take him outside because the second we'd get outside the start the dirt and it's literally like a one-track mind once he wants something it's like we're trying to go for a walk and 
it's so unenjoyable because every two seconds I'm having to pick him up off the ground from you know, exactly. Thankfully, it. Charlotte's still little, so I can yeah. put her in her stroller. Yeah. But it's we were um, at our friend's engagement party in September, and I had all three kids, um, and Charlotte was just going for her aunt, my uh, friend's aunt's potted soil plants, and it's all she wanted to do was mm-hmm. eat the soil. And so yep. we had to take Charlotte to my mother-in-law's so she could watch her so we could actually be at the party. Um, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's a full time job. <laughs> just watching your child, make sure they're not eating oh, something yeah. that they shouldn't be eating. Oh yeah. Manny got me flowers. Our anniversary was, it was actually almost two weeks ago, but for some reason these flowers have like totally held up. And for the first like week and a half, he, Logan paid no attention to the flowers that were on the counter. And then the other day he started trying to eat the flowers, drinking the water that was in the flowers. I mean, it's just like, that's a constant. And like in my house, I don't have candles because he likes to eat candles. So I used to have, like what you said, when he was little, I could put them up high and he yep. couldn't grab them. Now he can get whatever he wants. But I don't have any candles out. And I have one little plant that sits like right on my counter. And thankfully it's like mostly <laughs> leaves. There's not that much dirt in there. So he hasn't ever tried to dig in it, but my sister has a ton of plants in her room. And there's been a few times where we keep the door locked, but there's been a couple of times where there's been, you know, an issue where the door wasn't locked and he has gone to town on those plants. So that kind of stuff is tough. Like you said, when you go to someone's house, like I'm scanning as soon as we get somewhere, I usually try to host just because I can like control the environment. But if somewhere I'm scanning as soon as we get there. And I will say to the person, can we move this? Can we can we put this up high? Because it's it's not a matter of like, if I tell him no, he won't do it. It's like, no, we're going to have to either leave or he's going to exactly. eat this entire no, candle. It's, it's, <laughs> people, I feel like they're, they'll do it, but they aren't understanding of it. <laughs> We've been lucky. I mean, I'm very vocal about everything. So... I will, I will just say that to someone, like when I get to their house, I'll be like, can we, can we move this? Can we do this? And like you said, people will do it. And sometimes they will kind of give you the side eye, but then later they'll say something like, I, I had no idea that that was like something with autism or I had no idea about this. And I'm always like, yeah, I'm like, you know, everybody talks about how we need acceptance and how we're kind of past awareness. But in my mind, awareness is still so important because like, this is all a part of acceptance until we're like fully aware that all these little pieces are a part of autism and we can show that to, you know, people outside the autistic community, people who, you know, our friends and our family who they're, they're just as clueless as we were in the beginning. Like they didn't know, they don't know about autism, just like how we didn't know. And it's like us showing them, you know, this is a part of autism. This is what autism looks like. I think it can be hard, but it really is so beneficial because it's just educating people. I, um, I'm a photographer too on the side and um, I um, am doing like autism awareness um, photo uh, photo shoots for families that have kids on the spectrum. And um, I did a couple a few months ago and each child I met was so different. So yeah, each child was different um, and the parents were telling me their stories and it was just on, you know, how each child portrayed different um just you know one personalities and each child has a different personality but um like one 
one kiddo was always had to be on the run and um, another child would um, talk, but then uh, like say sentences so quickly and then not talk for like five minutes and then talk really quickly again. Um, Another child would eat uh, dirt like my daughter would. Um, And then um, uh, the last child I met was, uh, so sweet, um, but would bite themselves. So, you know, it's just, it's, the spectrum is really wide range. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just, I, you know, it's interesting one as a nurse to see things differently and to, you know, even as a photographer, um, I still, you know, before Charlotte was even diagnosed, um, I love kids. I am a huge, I love, I love, love kids. And um, I'm really good with children. And um, I would take the time to, you know, because I did have families with special needs kiddos. And um, I would take the time on, you know, just let them be. And I would photograph, uh, photograph their moments. Um, I just didn't make them sit down and try to smile because kids, one, with special needs aren't going to do that. Um, so it's, it's just nice to, you know, one, give back to the community, but also, you know, just to have a more of a eye-opening um, experience with kiddos on the spectrum, being more observant now that my child is on the spectrum. Oh um, yeah, I love that you're doing that. We actually had an opportunity this past fall to participate in a photography project that a local photographer was doing with special needs families. Um, a friend of mine who she was actually on the show, Lauren, her daughter has down syndrome. She had just kind of through word of mouth found out about this project and had signed up and she's like, you guys have to do it. And Pooja, the photographer was incredible. And we've been really lucky. We have had a, a photographer, Manny and I, who she's like a family friend, she has photographed us since our wedding. And so she did like Logan's newborn photos, his six month photos. So she's been with us for all these years and she is amazing and so understanding and, and we absolutely love her. But it was interesting working with a new photographer who, you know, she was doing this special needs project. So she was like very open to learning, but she hadn't had a child yet when she had done, I think we were like her third family that she had uh-huh. photographed. And so she hadn't had a child yet with autism and it was, it was really interesting to kind of see her like learning and she was so patient and kind and we got amazing photos because she, like at one point we were at a park and there was like these big rocks and Logan just laid down in the rocks and she started snapping photos and she got like just the most like pure photos from him mm-hmm. or he was she really captured his essence and there was a few times too where she got photos of him you know maybe not looking up at looking at the camera or like looking off in a distance and as much as I love like the smiling photos where he's looking and I get so excited the the photos that she got of him where he's maybe not looking are are so precious to me because that's like how I see him because that's so his natural kind of state yeah um and there it's just so beautiful for photos to me are like I mean, especially if you're a photographer, you get it. They, they're, there's like nothing that can replace like having, you know, these pictures of my kids, like all through the years, it's something I really make a priority. And I've talked to so many parents, like after we've done photo shoots who will say like, I really want to have photos taken, but I just know, you know, my child won't cooperate or it's so hard. 
And I always encourage them. I'm like, just try, even if you only get a couple, you know, explain to the photographer, look for a photographer who can, you know, work with your child. Like someone like you would be amazing because you <laughs> have a child in the spectrum, but anyone listening who, you know, if you haven't had family photos taken and that's something that you want to do, I just encourage you so much to just try and even if you, like I always say, the days we take pictures, it's like a full workout. I am in a full body sweat. I am like so stressed out by the end of it, it's like so much work, but those photos are so beyond worth it because you, you know, you have these moments forever. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, one, I love taking photos of my kids and I've only been in my business for a year, but, um, I, uh take thousands of pictures of my my children but when we get our own family pictures done um, this year was the hardest and Charlotte only lasted about 20 minutes but um, my husband and I have videos of her um, when she was one and she was talking and um, she was playing with this tool tool toy and it's her favorite video of herself my daughter loves everything about her (laughs) um (laughs) And she was just, she will, she will smile from ear to ear when she sees that video. So my husband's in the background while Amanda, our photographer is shooting us and Charlotte's just smiling because Mm -hmm. she can see herself. So I always tell families, if your kids, you know, aren't going to smile one, that's fine, but you know, have a person in the background doing something funny for them, um, while you're holding them and, um, just to, you know, to, to have them, you know, and watching a video of themselves or some funny mm-hmm. movie that they like. Art. Um, Our photographer, the, the one who we've known forever, she will put the flash on like even in broad daylight because Logan is drawn to that. So mm-hmm. sometimes we can get him to look more. And we just know with him, like we, we usually will try to do like a few photos of the family and then we'll do like each of the kids. Mm-hmm. Just know like we have such a limited window with yep. where he's going to, you know, perform for us. <laughs> So we try to just break it down into like literally five minutes. I'll be like, okay, we have five minutes to try to get a family shot. Five minutes to try to get all three kids together. And then we have five minutes to try to get some solo ones of just him. And we just like power through. And it's it's really amazing, especially when you have a photographer with like a really great camera and they can just like click away, you know, a million clicks. Because yeah. you do end up with, even if they're, they're not like the perfectly smiling photos, like I said, sometimes those candid ones end up really being your favorite. And exactly, they're so special. Yeah, no, I, I always have to have my, my family photos done. I, I just love seeing, you know, each, each year is precious. So it's always nice to have those milestones captured. My husband gives me such a hard time because we've spent, I mean, a pretty penny on photography over the years. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I always make it a priority. And then he's like, and then you don't even print out the picture. <laughs> because I have a ton of photos up around our house of like when Logan was a baby and even from like when Liliana was a baby but Layla we always joke there's like two pictures of her and it's so funny because my my mom said last week she was babysitting and she was like oh we need to get more photos of of Layla in the house and my my daughter Liliana goes yeah we don't have that many pictures of her because she was a surprise Because we always joke she was our surprise baby, which she was, but it's really just because I am lazy and need to get more <laughs> pictures printed. Um, well, Alexis, it's been so nice to chat with you. Do you want to share where people can connect with you? Yes. Yeah, so um, uh, they they can reach me on three different things. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook, which is just Alexis Berry. Um, but my name is spelled differently. It is A-L-E-X-Y-S. 
not I-S. Um, and then Barry, B-E-R-R-Y um, for Facebook. And then for Instagram, it's Alexis Barry. Um, and then my Instagram for my photography one is Alexis Barry Photography. Perfect. Well, and I will link to all those in the show notes. Alexis, thank you so much for coming on the the show today and just sharing your story. I really loved getting to chat with you. And I think that especially with your photography, you are, that's such an important service for special needs families. So I, I am so glad that you're doing that. And if anyone listening is in the Maryland area, if they're, where did you say you were? You said you're like an hour outside of DC. Frederick, Maryland. Okay, yeah. If anyone, if anyone needs a photographer in that area, you got someone good here. Well, you take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Oh, thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Alexis. I just think she is such a sweetheart, and I'm so glad to have gotten her on the show. I love what she is doing with her photography. I've had this conversation with many of you. Anytime I have posted professional photos that we've had done, people always message me and say, I want to have photos done so badly, but I'm worried about how, you know, my child is going to do or whatnot. And honestly, I, like I said, and during, during the conversation, I just think family photos are priceless and they really do, regardless of, you know, how your child does, in terms of like behavior and whatnot, I I think that if you have a good photographer and hopefully one who is, you know, patient and understanding like Alexis or the photographers that we've worked with, regardless of, you know, how much they cooperate or not, you're going to end up with some amazing photos that you will cherish. So like I said, it's always like a full workout for me. I am like sweating from head to toe and just ready to like have a drink (laughs) after a a family photo shoot, but I'm always so, so glad when I see those photos. So I think it's amazing that she's doing that. And like I was saying, I really appreciated this conversation that we'd had about, you know, kids wanting to chew on things and put things in their mouths because like we had, you know, said during the episode, it really, it, it might seem like a mild issue, but it actually is very dangerous and there's so much to be concerned about. And so like, especially with Logan, like, 
that is something that we just have to be so, so conscious of. I am planning for the next Hot Topic episode to talk about difficult behaviors. Um, I talked about a, a couple of our behaviors that we're dealing with last week and got a ton more kind of recommendations for what to talk about in that episode. So that will be definitely coming soon. If you have anything you want to share that I could add to that episode, if your child has a difficult behavior, I've heard many different behaviors, very, just varying all over. Um, and as much as I, I don't like that we have to deal with these difficult behaviors, it is definitely, um, comforting to know that I'm not the only one who (laughs) has a child who, who does these type of things. So yes, definitely stay tuned for that. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. I always love hearing from you guys. If you have a question, comment, whatever, send it my way. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, I am trying to bank some episodes now for summertime when I have less time to record when Logan's out of school. So if you've been thinking about it or, you know, wanting to share your story, definitely reach out. The best way to do that would be email and just kind of give me a little backstory, what you'd want to talk about if you came on the show. But yes, I'm definitely looking for some, some guests right now because I want to, I want to have those episodes in my vault so they're ready to go for this summer and yeah I'm looking forward to speaking with more of you so that is all for now and until next time take care